Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Max Maxwell Show. Like always, thank you for tuning in. And today we have a special guest, someone who really doesn't do like, you know, the wholesaling, but somebody who's huge. You probably heard of him. If you if you on my Instagram, you probably seen him somewhere. But welcome to the show to my guy, Brandon Rule, a.k.a. B. Rule. Welcome, man. Appreciate it, brother. Absolutely, man. Thank, thank you for you, having me. Thanks for coming into town, by the way, to. you know. We had Cole Michael come in last week. That's You're right. here this week. That's right. Um, that's fire, man, to be able to have you guys come in. For people that don't know you, like if you had to choose like a, like somebody say, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. What, what do you do? Great question, man. Uh, I typically answer, I'm an entrepreneur. Okay. You know, oftentimes people put me into the development category. Okay. I do so much more than that. And we can unpack some of the things that I've done today, but I'm an entrepreneur. I just like to uh, create business. um, And all of them are driven by my passion of creating wealth in communities of color. Got it. That's who I am. So your passion is, your, your passion is to create wealth in communities of color. That's right. I love that. So don't get it twisted, y'all. If you go Google his name, you find out all the stuff he's done because he's out there like that. Um, but no, nah, tell us, tell us a little bit about you coming up, man. Like, um, where, where you, where are you from? Where are you born? Yeah, so I was born in Los Angeles, California, L.A. So, yeah, right outside of L.A. Actually, in Northridge. Northridge, okay. And I was raised there. Um, two high school sweethearts. So my parents are high school sweethearts from okay. Chicago. Wow. And they moved Chicago, L.A. They graduated high school and said, "We out." Okay. It was cold. It was, you know, Chicago. Yeah, I would have left too. We had to <laughs> see something new. So my grandfather was actually um, in L.A. at the time. Uh, and I think that was part of the reason why they moved. Yeah, yeah. So we moved to L.A., born in 88. In 1994, there was the worst natural disaster in American history. Northridge earthquake. So I was a part of that. Why don't I know anything about this? Uh... Instagram was around back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, no Twitter, Instagram. You ain't TikTok. Like, you ain't put on TikTok. Well, no TikTok. Okay. Well, no TikTok. So yeah, it was the worst financially, at least. Yeah. Right now, I think it's three behind Katrina and one other one, but we could look it up. Wow. Whatever. So we lost everything in '94. Wow. Like our whole apartment sh- complex shut down. We slept outside for three days, wrapped around the local grocery store, and my dad was like, "Nah, I'm out." Like, we out. Let's go. We going back. Pack what we got. Let's bounce. So they were going to go to Chicago, but they ended up going to Milwaukee because my granddad was at Milwaukee at that time. Okay. So we lived in his attic for a bit. And then my dad got a job. Milwaukee. What's it up? Like, you don't have many brothers say y'all from Milwaukee. People from Milwaukee don't leave. It's 40% black. Really? Yeah. It's the worst place for black people in the country. As like just financially, job-wise, everything? Across the board, man. Uh, mass incarceration, segregation, inequalities between blacks and whites as it relates to um, income. Uh, it just look at the statistics, you'll see. But it's cold up there too, though. Freezing. So I wouldn't go outside for half of the year anyways. So no. I, would, I wouldn't have a job for half of the year anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Stay right in the crib. <laughs> in the house. It is freezing. It's cold. I'm not going to make it for the next six months. It's cold. Because you guys are way up there. Yeah, so we're actually... Um, a lot of people don't know this. We're only an hour and a half from Chicago. Chicago's up there, too, at least to me. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cold, man. Chicago get that whole... So Minnesota's up there further than that. Okay, yeah, definitely want to do that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's that... Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. No, sir. Yeah. Absolutely not. And it's crazy, you know, because some of the craziest... Some, some Africans be moving all the way up there. You know what? Uh, Minneapolis Refugee. has some of... Um, one of the largest populations, I believe, is East Africans. So, yeah. And it's warm on that side. 
And they go all okay. I'm not. I, I don't speak on things that I don't know, but I just know that they're there. Yeah, I'm I know it's colder. I know it's colder in Minnesota than it is in Africa. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> much colder. <laughs> <laughs> but so I right, above that. So you, uh, you, you're, you, you. I guess you spent majority of your growing up life in yeah, in Milwaukee, bro. Milwaukee. I moved when I was five. Uh, I I recently relocated to DC. Recently, as in like four and a half years ago, but mm-hmm. uh, from four to about twenty seven. Oh, wow. Five to about 27, I was in Milwaukee. So were you an athlete growing up, going to school, basketball? Went to school every day. I used to take a lot of pride in, uh, you know, my 100% attendance award. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I should at this point in time, but... I mean, I definitely didn't do that. And we had no days off. I mean, unless it was a foot of snow, there were, you were absolutely at school. Like six, seven inches of snow, you were at school. Yeah, North Carolina, if they think it's going to snow, we're not going to school. No, we were at school, bro. Like... Literally, it could be zero degrees. We're at school. Mm-hmm. So that's how MPS just got down. Milwaukee Public Schools. One of the things gotten better, but it was one of the worst mm-hmm. in the country at the time. So that's where I come from. Did all of that. Uh, yeah, I played sports, man. Growing up, I played baseball like when I was really, really small. Mm-hmm. Soccer, taekwondo. Got a little older, started hooping. Played basketball uh, in high school. Played basketball my freshman year. And then I played football and track all four years. Yeah. And then after that, um, went to Marquette in Milwaukee. It was the best school in the area at the time. Yeah. Well, it is the best school in the city. Uh, and I wasn't good enough to make the D1 basketball team. And I yeah. didn't have a football team, so I was just stuck on academics. With student. Yeah. You know, so what what type of work did your parents do? Like you said earlier, you're, you're an entrepreneur. Did that come from your father, your mother? Where did that come from? Yeah, so my, my, hmm, my mom is a stay-at-home mom. She's okay. been that all throughout, but she was a volunteer for our community organization for the last like 15 years. Mm-hmm. She was the president. Okay. Uh, didn't get paid, but she did very good yeah. work. And my dad was an x-ray technician. Okay. So after my mom got pregnant, he was like, yo, I'm gonna go to school. So he got a trade, trade yeah. associate, associate's degree yeah. and was in the medical profession for all of those years. Okay. But my grandfather, one of them was a street pharmacist and the other one was a taxi cab driver and he owned his own taxi cab. So got I think, it. you know, seeing them indirectly helped, you know, fuel, Absolutely. Kind of some of the ambition there. And then my parents were entrepreneurial. They purchased a property um, from the city of Milwaukee and refixed that. My mom actually runs a home health care company that okay. I own right now. So okay. it's always been in my blood and my spirit. Got it. So you, if it came from somewhere, whether it was your parents, your grandparents, you had it in you. Now you go back and you say, look, are you in, you in college now? What did you study in college? Started off as a... Uh, I was undecided first and foremost mm-hmm. when I went there. But then I wanted to, I knew that I loved sports and I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. So high school, all throughout, I used to have an email like drrule at AOL.com. <laughs> it's, probably, it's still mine somewhere. I got to find a password. Get that password. <laughs> yeah. Don't steal that. <laughs> but uh, I knew I was going to be a doctor. Then when I got to school, I took chemistry and bio and it was just like, oh, yeah, this is this not really for me. Nah. Yeah. So I ended up um, studying economics and sociology. And it really, really? Uh, it's a great pairing for the work that I do today because I was able to study the economy, you know, capitalism and things like that. It's like, oh, money is bad. No, money is a tool, understanding how it works. But then also pairing that with kind of sociology and how we fit within certain systems within the country. Mm-hmm that really lends itself well to the work that I'm doing and trying to create wealth in these communities, right? Makes so sense. That? I mean, it, that, so that explains kind of your mission is kind of even started when you were in college. But I stumbled into it. I didn't, I didn't, didn't even you didn't think. You didn't know what part of what you were doing. So 
when you when, when I'm thinking about that is like when you I mean that degree I don't know if I've heard that mix and match a degree you probably had a bunch of job offers coming out of college no you didn't <laughs> no <laughs> my grades weren't that good I told you I didn't do well, I didn't do well at uh, chemistry and bio so it's not like I got rid of those classes on my <laughs> GPA it was still, still on still there. okay you okay. know so I was so undecided in college I didn't go so this you can tell me where I'm at. You super know what I'm So super undecided. Yeah. Couldn't I just, was there and just understood. Yeah, at least it was you went. Fun, though. It was yeah, good. of course. Let me ask you this question. What do you what did you get the most out of college? Oh man. Um I would say the ability to understand American culture. Mm. Why is that? Because you had a mix. Was it a mix of people up there? No, no, no. My school was 4% black. Okay, so you went to a PWI. Went to a PWI. But coming through NPS, most of my peers looked like me. You know, I grew up in a very inner city urban environment. Mm -hmm. But when I got to college, um, I realized this later, but I had culture shock. And it was like, I used to go to class and not talk to nobody for the whole day. Like, I could wake up 8, 9 in the morning, go to class, put my headphones on, not raise my hand in class. Go to the next class with my headphones on. Next class with my and walk all the way back home after these couple classes and literally not speak to anyone. Mm. That's not a very good, correct, <laughs> you know, experience of correct. college at all, especially during the week. But understanding how American culture works, um, I think that you know certain things are real, right? There's there's white supremacy, there's power, there's influence, right? So how do you adapt to all of these things being? a minority from the inner city that doesn't have any wealth, that doesn't have any background in business and structure mm-hmm. and, yeah. How do you overcome these built-in obstacles? Like, you know it's there. Uh, me, personally, I overcame it because my parents always instilled confidence in me. Yeah. Like, I personally think I'm, I can do anything I put my mind to, for real. Yeah. I'm very self-aware, so you gotta pair that. You gotta pair your self-awareness with your confidence and your confidence gets built by your hard work. You know, and that's funny that that's a good way to describe it because I feel like I have become very self-aware over the last five or six years. I've always been confident, right? I've just always been a confident person, even when I, even when it wasn't supposed to be. And, but I became very self-aware. So I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. That's right. You know, like I know these things. I know where I, I know how I act emotionally with things and or not emotion. you know, so that's, that's a good way to put that. When, and so as college, would you recommend that you know everybody should go to college or it's a necessary tool to be in, in an entrepreneur? What are your thoughts on that? And everybody gives a different answer, so there's no yeah. right or wrong. So I don't think everyone should go to college, but I'm also not the type that says people shouldn't go to college. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on you and what your goals are. Yeah. I will say college opens the door. Correct. College in, in opens. In what way? When you have something, and and time is changing, you don't necessarily need a resume, but in order to get in certain rooms, it is important to have- Say, I went to university. I went to X, I went, now if you just don't care about the rooms and you're doing your own thing, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's interesting because so many people have this conversation. Yeah, let's go here for a moment because Mm -hmm. you are not the course guru, right? But Mm -hmm. so many people say, oh, you don't need college, just come take my, you know, three, five, ten thousand dollar course and you can just solve. That's not the solution either. <laughs> just in my opinion, that's not yeah. the solution. I think some of those are very um, well suited to help enhance people's careers. Um, but more often than not, 
to be honest, I believe a lot of them are predatory. When mm. your primary income stream, and not to say college isn't, some colleges are, but when your primary income stream is based and rooted on the money that you're making of people purchasing your courses, the value and the intent of what you are doing is more driven by sales than impact. And you can say, oh yeah, I'm trying to impact, but more often than not, and there's some, there's some exceptions to this rule. Correct, there are. But more often than not, that's what happens. So I, that question is tough for me because I don't think everyone should go, yeah. but I'm also not screaming at the top of my lungs saying, hey, take my course, because this is the better route. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I personally think that everybody that shouldn't have to go to college, but I believe that if you, you know, you need to work on your social skills. That's right. And, um, or you're just obviously your degree, your job needs, you need you to have that degree in order to get your job. Your network is the best thing in college. I didn't take Correct. advantage of it, yeah. but that's what you should do if you go to yeah. college. It's great enough. Correct. Yeah. So that's your social skills and being able to do that. That's and, right. And be around with people. So that's, that's a good answer. So you get out of college, you ain't got no job offers. What happened? Oh, man. Um, friend of my mom's, um, Anna Pearson at the time, Simpson, she was working at a bank. She was working at PNC Bank. I offered me a job for $23,000 a year to come in and be a banker. Four-year degree? Yeah. $23,000? Yeah, I was balling. 1980 what? 19, no, this was 2013. 2011. 2011, yeah. I'm just saying. 2011. You know, it sounds like, you know, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, before inflation kicked in, yeah, 23 yeah. was solid, right? Like, that's, that's equivalent to 50. You could buy you a Sears house in 1950. Nah. No, you know, no, no. This was, this was 10 years ago. 10 years ago to the day I was working, making $23,000 a year at a bank that I'm not going to name because I gave them too much press. You already said it anyways. Um, oh, <laughs> I just slipped out. You already said it. You already said it. All right, but uh, that's interesting. So you're at this. You took. You take the job. Yeah, I took it. I ain't had nothing else to do. Okay, so 23. <laughs> you making? Uh, I could have took a different job. When I was in college, I was working at a mobile phone store, and I was making really good money there. I mean, I could have made 40, 50, and selling just, iPhones and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I was selling. I, I'm a tech geek on the law. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, Me too. I, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, instead of doing that, I feel like from the business perspective, it made more sense to go over there and make less money because mm -hmm. then I could maybe become a business banker. I could do more in real estate like I, so. So, so you see an opportunity in, a, in, in this low paying job. You said maybe I can get my foot in the door. Yeah. Start as the a personal banker or a teller and yeah. work my way up to learn X so I can be business, a business banker. Finance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so how long did you stay at, at, in the bank? Two years. Industry? It didn't work out like that. Nah. Yeah. Two years is a long time, though. I ain't had nothing else to do. Yeah, two years. I mean, two years, for me anyways, two years at a, at a place is like a long time. So so that was one of my longest jobs. Did you learn, that. though? Uh, learn what? No, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> learn what? How to open no. a guideline, no. <laughs> So you were doing that stuff. Okay. Max, Max, what yeah. like, your birthday. Like, what, what am I supposed to learn? Fill out this form. Okay, got it. So what happens next? You know what, while I was there, so even before I was there, let me rewind. Uh, when I was in college, I took this program called the Acre Program. It stands for Associates of Commercial Real Estate. So I'm creating my version of this, Reinvest. It's mm -hmm. Reinvest Development Training Program coming soon. Uh, where it was really like a 26 week program. We met once a week. And they exposed me to various aspects of commercial real estate. 
Mm-hmm. So we met different lenders and different construction companies and property management companies and developers. And we worked on a kind of capstone development project, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it was targeted at professionals. I'm one of the youngest circuit grads of all time, and I was 20 or 21 at the time. Um, it was targeted at professionals, but I got in really early. So then from there, while I was working at the bank, I was able to network with some of the people that were a part of this acre mm-hmm. kind of cohort and curriculum. And I would just go every lunch. I would try to schedule meetings. Shout out to Kanini. That was my other boss at the NLF. She would let me go on these lunch meetings <laughs> when I was not supposed to be gone for two hours, but she would let me go. So thank you. supposed to have a 30-minute lunch. To, to this day, uh, I would do that. And I realized, like, yo, I need to meet more. I need to network more. I can't do that. Work Waking up at 6, being at work at 7.30, leaving at 6, getting home at 7, going to the gym, Rat race, right? All over again. I couldn't do that. So it's like, I got to find a way to get out of here so I could meet with more of these people in a much shorter Were you able time. to be living at home during this time? No, I was actually, um, I was living in uh, <laughs> low-income housing at the time. To be honest, it was a new building, very similar to, <laughs> to the ones that I did. You qualified. Yeah, I qualified. You qualified. <laughs> I was like, six baby. I'm living downtown. Got a nice little situation. Dude, we ain't got to know. They ain't got to know, though. But so hey. you, you, you're living in the type of things you build now. But That's anyways, right. the point, so the point is, is you, 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 you hear this, you, you get an opportunity to be a part of this program while you're in your job and you learn yeah. the power of networking. That's you start right. networking with real estate people and you say, look, I can't do both at the time. So you no. quit this job. How are you going to pay your rent? That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, I purchased a four unit before I left. Okay, so, so you took year. advantage of your two years of working That's somewhere true. to be able to go buy a house. Yeah, I started what type in of May, finance I did you? June. What type of what type of finance? FHA three and a half percent down, eighty five thousand. I needed all in about five grand. Saved that up. I used to kill the account opening, so I, my bonuses were actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So I used to take my bonuses, stack it up. I bought a four unit. I had four units that I was renting out for six twenty five a piece. If we do the math on six twenty, was it six twenty five at the time? 625, 12.50, yeah, it was about 2,500 that I was bringing in a month. How much was your mortgage? Mortgage, taxes, and insurance was only 1,000. So what I did was that 1,500 was equivalent to the 750 I was making every two weeks at the bank. So you was good. So let's back, let's, let's back time, up though, because we got to back up and just talk about that quick strategy, right? <laughs> just, just, just four unit FHA, explain, right. explain it what it is in like layman terms real quick. Okay, cool, so there was, there was a multifamily property. Yeah. Anything four units and under is actually residential. Okay. So I was able to use a residential loan mm-hmm. that only required a three and a half percent down payment. Okay. And what was your purchase price? $85,000. So, so you're talking look, five grand? Yes. So you had to bring five grand to a closing table and now you own four units in one building. Really less than five grand if you want to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yes. Four units in one building, kicking out $1,500 a month in Profit. perpetuity. Profit after everything. And you was like, wait, that's more than I'm making at the bank with 23. And that's before taxes. 23 was before taxes. Not yet. So I got a, I ended up getting to like 26. Yeah, you know, with your bonuses and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, my bonuses had a little bit more, but the average of post tax, 750 about every two weeks versus the 1500 I'm getting from this. And I don't have to be there for 40 hours. You gotta do anything. Plus. Sign me up. So, that, so that's called, that, that now is, we call it house hacking. That's right. And it's still available thing oh people can do now, right? Yeah, that's, that's, if there is one strategy 
wholesaling the socks. I know a lot of y'all are loving wholesaling, but one investment strategy mm-hmm. that you can get into, please house hack. Start with a four unit and go down. Boom. So you got this four unit, you quit your job, you start, you, do you go back to this, uh, this networking thing you're in and you start to learn more or that so, was over, the program was over? It's so interesting because what happened in 2008? Market crashed. There was no new development in 2010. This was 2010 when I did the program. This was 2011 while I'm working at the banks, 2013. So that whole time while I'm networking, the program wasn't even in existence anymore. Mm. My year was the last year period. They took a high edge from 10 to about 14 or 15. 15, because that's when things started brewing. Started picking back up. So the program didn't, but I was able to use, hey, so-and-so, I'm a member of the Acre program, blah, 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 blah. I used to search people emails, like same strategies y'all using to find information. You just find I was them. doing that in real estate and business. It didn't to matter. To find other people that oh, you wanted to be, you know. I found anybody I wanted to find. <laughs> they got an email from me. You know, I called. If I wanted to find you, I was going to find you. Yeah. That's what's up. But you have to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just a young hustler. Like, y'all, I'm going to figure it out. What do I have to lose? And that's what I was doing. And then I would go to different events. I would go to conferences around the country. Couldn't afford to go. Get a buddy pass. I, there was a guy that gave me a buddy pass with Allegiant. I would fly out to LA for oh, a conference. Man, bless your heart. Allegiant? Allegiant. On top of that, buddy pass with Allegiant? Man, Where I, you have to go, under the plane? Bro, I was going to Appleton, Wisconsin, two, two and a half hours from Milwaukee to fly to Vegas, to fly to LA, because mm-hmm. there was no Allegiant anymore. Yeah, no Allegiant. Yeah. Yeah. You got to figure it out. What you do? You got to figure it out. So you out here running around, going to conferences. You ain't got no job, but you house hacking now. And, and I sneak in the conference. And you sneak in the conferences. Listen. Shout out to Elijah. You probably had like the Elijah badge that he usually, the marketing. But anyways. No, I, f- I used to find badges and flip them around. You got to get in. Well, I just wouldn't have a badge and I would just act like. Act like you're supposed to be there. Even though I was the only one, only black people, young, pro. They ain't going to say nothing to you anyway. So, cool. so you're, you're going to these events, you're networking, you're hanging out with people. Yeah. What's next? I mean, you, I mean, is that your aspirations to live off this $1,500 a month? <laughs> no, my goal was always to do development. <laughs> I knew I wanted to do a development okay. eventually. What does that even mean? It, you want to do a development? You want to build a neighborhood? Yeah, I wanted to be a developer. Okay. So a developer is a person that goes, identifies an opportunity that is currently underutilized, changes use and mm-hmm. to improve that to the highest and best use of whatever parcel it is. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start off developing multifamily properties, specifically affordable and workforce housing. Because you used to live in one. <laughs> <laughs> I've been homeless before, temporarily, not really homeless. Yeah, but you just do when you the, 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 the earthquake and stuff. That's right, it was in the fire too, temporarily cool. Yeah, I've been homeless. So what, what gra- but what gravitated you to, I mean, I know that was your mission is to you know be able to empower people in, but what gravity is you say, yo, I want to build low-income housing. Yeah, so, so rewinding. Remember, I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. That's when my dad was an expert technician. Mm-hmm. My dad took me when I was young. Y'all might have heard this story before, but he was like, yo, my dad said I got to be better than him, so you got to be better than me. So I equated being better than him being a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, you just young and dumb. Right. Like, I want me to be better. I'm going to just have a better profession. Like, that was, that's what make you a better person. No. Yeah. Right? So when that didn't work out, I started to look at different things. I'm like, yo, my mom is working in community. I could still help people in this way. And then when I found out what a developer does, I could help people, that was number one. Two, I had autonomy of my time. That was one of the most important pieces. If you know how to use it correctly, right? That's right. (laughs) And then three, I was able to build well. So I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that, done. Mm -hmm. 
and this is the way that I can improve my community while building my wealth? Come on, sign me up. Got it. And so you're networking. When do you get your first taste of any type of development? I mean, uh, this sounds like a long journey, bro. Yeah, I took the class in 2010. My first project started in 2016. So you six-year-old. Yeah. I got it under contract in 2015. I applied for tax credits at the beginning of 2016. I found out in the middle of 2016. So what was your first project? 60 units of affordable housing right on 7th and National. Where is that? I don't know. In In, in Milwaukee, it's five minutes from downtown. It's near downtown in a primarily Latino neighborhood that's facing gentrification. So how did you get this dude never done a project? Yeah. That, like, how are you, how many you said 60 units? Six zero, yeah. Who is pr- approving you to do 60 <laughs> units? Five <laughs> minutes from downtown. And I just made $23,000 yeah, a couple you years live, ago. Yeah. <laughs> you lived off $1,500. What, what happened? What, what, what happened? Oh, man. So in 2014, so 2013, I left my job at the bank. 2014, September. So a little over a year after I left the bank. People weren't paying their rent on time. I wasn't underwriting properly. I had no reserves. I was just living. I'm like, yo, I need to get some money. Like, check the check. This ain't right. Yeah. It's not working. Check the check on somebody else's check. Yeah, yeah, hand them out. Like, this, <laughs> so uh, it's like, uh, it's not working. So I ended up getting a job, I, but I was very intentional. I was only going to take certain jobs. I was working from home, and I worked for two CDFIs, Community Development Financial Institutions. Okay. And I was doing business lending. So I was able to do underwriting on business deals. I was able to go out to the community and offer loan products to businesses of mm-hmm. color, to minority, to women, veterans, mm-hmm. all in line with my mission. I'm like, bet this, this is cool. And I sat in on the lending committee side of things. So I would see exactly what the bankers would want to see in order to approve it. So you got to hear or understand the back end reason yes. why somebody go get denied or approved for a loan. You were seeing their process. For two different companies. Okay. One, mainly business, some was commercial real estate, yeah. mainly, but it's all credit is the same. Correct. For two different companies. So we had a lending committee every other week for both companies. So pretty much every week I'm sitting there on the lending committee with eight to 10 people that are way smarter than me. Wow. Okay. So you learned the game literally by just, you, you, you was living life by design at this point. Yeah, because all the conferences that I was sneaking in before, they now funded me to go. I'm going as their companies, but I'm still me and they know I'm a developer. So I'm still networking, because the community development space is real small. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows everyone, it's, it's a real like small thing. So I'm going on their dime, which is great. You know, I was actually representing their companies, going, I was doing business development work, so I had to be there anyway. And it worked out, it worked out for the better. I mean, I was able to market their companies and get their brands out there more, provide potential loans for businesses that needed the most, and really even see gaps in both of their processes that Frankly, I feel like could have been felt, and that's why I created Reinvest, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, so tell me, the 60 unit goes well? No. <laughs> I thought you were give me a Cinderella story, man. No, 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 no. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, 60 units, right when I got that awarded, it was $561,000 worth of tax credits. So the way that the tax credit worked, 561 times 10 years is the 10 year tax credit period call it 5.6 million times whatever your pricing is. So if you're a tax credit investor, I can sell you this credit and you give me money and I use that money to build the building. Yearly or do I give you compound effect? You give it to me up front. Okay. And you keep the compound. At what percentage of what you cost to value? It depends on what the market is. So in 2016, when I underwrote my deal, 
the market in Milwaukee was a dollar five on the dollar. So Wait, why does that make why does that make sense? There's still some back end depreciation okay, things okay, like that okay. that you can. It just depends on where the market is, what the capital gains rates are, what the income tax levels are. Yeah. So at that time, the corporate tax rate was 35 percent. Correct. When Trump came in, he cut it down to 21. Correct. That dropped the equity pricing from dollar five Milwaukee to 90 cent immediately. Wow. Call it 15 percent or so decrease in my credit value of the credit. Because Trump goes million. in, Trump goes in in 2016, right? That's when I got the credit. Oh, okay. I, remember, I applied okay. in late 2015. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, you told me. Okay. It came in So I put it together. So now, so let me let me understand this. So correct me if I'm wrong. Tax credit is something that the city incentivize a builder to build something because it doesn't make sense to build what they want because it's affordable. And so you have to make certain units affordable, which messes up your cost per yeah. and what your revenue you're going to get. Right. I'm just kind of keep this real simple. Yeah. Let's do federal, mm-hmm. federal, but city, all of the rest is the same. If it costs 10 million to build these hundred units, but the value of that based on in a lot of the income is only five million. There has to be a gap. The tax credit fills that gap. Yeah. So the tax credit fills the gap of affordable housing. And then you can sell that piece of paper for 10 years up front, five to be able to finish your project. Yes. Now, that's the equity in my project. Correct. So I don't bring I don't bring any cash. There's a hundred dollars I put into my deal. And the rest is you use tax, credit. tax credits. Yeah. Amazing, by the way. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing. And so on, on top of that, you have. How long? Do you have to stay affordable with the city? So or whatever, whoever. Yeah, whatever. thirty it's thirty years, but there's a fifteen year tax credit compliance period. Thirty years of affordability, but the tax credit specifically is fifteen years. So after fifteen, you'll see some of them kind of get bought out and they become market rate deals. But typically thirty, you can get out as early as fifteen. That's way over my head. Yeah, you said thirty, it. but you said fifteen. Let's, it's like, let's call it fifteen. All right, cool. So it. in fifteen years, you can turn that project around, and but you only covered for ten years. Whatever, it don't matter. Yeah. I want to keep it simple. I don't want to. I want to get in the weeds we right now, but I don't want to. So, anyways, you get to sell a piece of paper yes. with a ten-year projection immediately right now. So, if Boy. you would have got that in twenty fifteen, the person that would have bought it for a dollar five, he would have been hurt. That was just a price hit. Not necessarily hurting because, well, maybe, maybe because the tax credit. No, he actually would have been off better. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta think about yeah. that a little bit. Does he? Does the guy that buy it from you just turn it in right away? Yeah, they use. Well, they use it every year for ten years. So they slowly so use it. They're anticipating a tax liability of five hundred and sixty-one thousand annually. For X amount of time. But yeah, they probably was hurting because if they could have bought the same thing for nine months later for <laughs> 90 cents. Yeah, Oops. I mean. Right. Right. So anyways, that's 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 interesting. That's very, very interesting. And so well, but let's get back to the 60 unit. Yep. You said it didn't go well. Not at all. Uh, so when the pricing drops, we just did the exercise. Five sixty one times ten times 15 years or dollar five versus 561 times 10 times 90. Let's just keep it simple. $6 million of equity before now became 5 million overnight. The project cost didn't change <laughs> at all, <laughs> but the sources 
of equity that I so have. So you're a million short. I'm a million short. And at that time, I went with a fully integrated company. So they had property management, development, and construction. And their construction budget was significantly less than everyone else in the market. So they kind of forced me into a situation and said, hey, we are not comfortable signing this operating agreement with you, so we're not gonna put any money into this project right now. And I'm like, yo, what do you mean? I just got a, I just got a request to pay $26,000 right when we got it. And they're like, no, we're not gonna do this. We need to figure out our terms. Okay, we decided on 80-20 or 65-35. Oh no, we're not comfortable with that. Let's do 80-20 the other way. I didn't get it written down on paper. So I got screwed. But luckily, the land was under my name, the tax credit was under my name, I was able to get them out. I got them out, boom. But now I got a project, tax credit equity pricing dropped, increased construction costs. My sources decreased oh, by a million. that's right, yeah. My uses increased by two million. So now I got a $3 million gap mm. that, again, I was just making twenty. And this was your equity side. Total, I needed to just solve you need, it. You need to get $3 million to be able to get this project rolling. Yeah. And you can't put equity into it. Okay, correct. So, so you defer your developer fee. That's the first thing that goes. Developer fee on a $10 million project is 1.2, ended up being 12. So call it a little over a million. We actually chopped it down, whatever. We deferred all of our developer fee. I ended up bringing in a new partner, new GC. I figured out how to do this deal after three and a half years worth of work. The, at the closing table, in your world, y'all call it, when we signed the HUD, right? I got a six thousand dollar check. Six thousand? Six zero zero zero. Are you supposed to get? Are you supposed to I get? I thought it, originally I thought I was gonna see the one point two or at least eighty percent of the one point two. <laughs> you walk away with you walk away with six thousand dollars. I just got a twenty four thousand dollar check like less than a year ago, but that's my whole pay fee from that deal right now. That's it. I'm I'm getting thirty thousand dollars paid from that deal. And you got, but you got to wait fifteen years. Well, I got thirty so far now. I got six initially, but then I waited a year and a half for the other 24, two years, for the other 24. And uh, that was pretty much just. So this is probably going over a lot of people's heads, but this is the, this is a development game, but it's really, I call developers like artists. Like you gotta paint a picture that somebody don't see. Yeah. And then you fact. gotta go out and sell that picture without actually right painting it yet. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> and there's a lot of money up front. It's a lot of money for you to go paint that canvas. So if everything, if let's say some of my current deals, I'm anywhere from 500000 to a million dollars into my deals, everyone. If something goes wrong and I don't close, that money is gone. That's at risk. But if I close, all that money comes back. And I don't have to put any equity in. When things go right, developers on the affordable housing side get 10 to 15%. of the total project cost, so if I do $50 million project and I'm making 10 to you know, 15% off of that, y'all can do the math on you know, what that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So if things go right, they go right. But when things go wrong, yeah. they go wrong. So you finished the project. Yeah. What year, 2017 probably? 2018. 2018, 60 units? Yeah, so from 2010 when I started to 2018 when I finished, I made $6,000 in real estate. What were you, a street pharmacist during this time? Were you nah, bro. <laughs> People thought I was. Like, I was you say, how you living, man? I had the four unit. Oh, you still had the four unit. And at, at 2016, from 2014 to 2016, I was working for that company. Got it. Had so you time. were floating. Okay, you were floating. 
Got it. And so I was living off nothing. Was, let's let's fast out. forward to the day. Oh yeah, yeah. How many projects have you done since then, or how many projects have you completed? Uh, two have been completed. Completed. Two are under construction. One is starting construction uh, in a few months. So. So tell me your pipeline of total projects. What I have right there is a little, little over a hundred million just in that, and that's all Wisconsin. Uh, Birmingham, if things go well, yeah, a couple hundred million in Birmingham, and I'm looking at probably a couple hundred million in Atlanta right now, and maybe 50 or so million in, in Houston if things go. So what are we doing in North Carolina? That's what we're trying to figure out right now. At least, at least a couple hundred million. So, so um, how are you sourcing these, these dirts? these pieces of land to be able to turn them into something? Yeah, uh, great question, man. Some of it is just sent to me at this point. I have mm. a large enough brand where people know I'm a developer and they send me different stuff. Most of it is trash. And I, so I, where would you like people, like there's a lot of people watching right now. Where would you want them, what, what would you want them to send them and where would you want them to send it to? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would say text it to my community number. Okay, we'll, put it, and we'll, we'll just put it below, okay. Text that to my community number, that's the easiest way. When reinvest is set up, reinvest community, check us out, uh, .com. When that's set up, you can, we're actually taking intake. So we're providing capital to people that are looking to do development deals. Mm -hmm. So we'll have an intake form that you can put deals straight into as well. Got it. So let's hit on reinvest because you talked about that earlier. What is reinvest? Yeah, reinvest is a crowdfunding platform that's democratizing real estate access. Now explain that because it yeah. pisses me off. Go yeah. ahead, explain yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So right now, I just talked about how I'm doing. I, I did a hundred million dollars worth of development, right? Mm -hmm. My mother cannot invest in my deals, bro. Why? The way that the laws are set up. And what does the law state, bro? <laughs> Depending on which one it is, but yeah. for the most part, she has uh, to be accredited. Just, just to keep it really simple, you got to be an accredited investor in order to invest in these projects. And unless you're making, they're changing the rules, but unless you're making two hundred thousand plus or have a million dollars in net worth, not including Include your, your personal home, home yeah. not including your personal home at all. You cannot participate because you don't have enough experience to make to a be decision, able to make an informed decision about this. But they allow you to sign up for high interest rate credit cards. They allow you to go get all, they allow you to get a hundred thousand in school loan debt. They allow you to go do all these things. But if you got an extra $50,000 from a bonus or you inherited it, you cannot go invest in things because you're not accredited. Yeah. That is what you call exclusion. The top 1% of all of the country owns 40% of the commercial real estate. The top 10 owns 82%. So the bottom 90% millions of billionaires own literally 17 and some change percent of the commercial real estate in the country. That has to change. And so you decided to create a platform that allows people, how are you able to circumvent the laws and the rules? So they changed. Obama in 2012 passed the Jobs Act. Mm -hmm. It allowed for equity crowdfunding. So we can create a business that can be an equity entity in these properties and allow you to purchase a piece of this business. So we're actually allowing you to invest in real assets backed by real estate, as opposed to investing in like, let's say the New York Stock Exchange or in the markets where you're investing in a business, you're investing in paper, not actually in property. Yeah, CEO wakes up and does something stupid, and the price goes down. Yeah, we're not subject, we're not- Elon Musk tweets, the price goes we're down. We're not subject to- Dumb uh, stuff. Yeah, those kind of- so, so give me an example of how reinvest, how somebody out there can use reinvest. Give me an example of, not a real deal, but just a, a, a summed up deal. Yeah, uh, let's take good friend Chris Senegal, for example. Yeah. 
Like he has a 250 unit deal in Houston, Texas. We are likely gonna take that deal, put it on our platform and allow people to invest. We're also putting multiple deals like that in this. So ours is a portfolio deal. So let's say you have these seven projects. Even if you have $1,000, you can invest in those seven. $1,000? So I can flip my money in how long? Uh, not flip. the right, not yeah, the right type flip, of person. You know, so that, so this is an alter. So tell me the, the type of exactly. This is what I want to get to. Tell me the type of people no, who come here trying to flip bread. This, this ain't that. No. So you're talking long term, long term investment, yeah. and so ideally five years. Mm-hmm. We have a couple ways where you can re- you can request your money previously, or we're looking into this alternative trading platform, so by the time we launch it should be there, where you can put your shares onto that as well. When are you planning on launching? Uh, Q1 of 2022. Got it, Q1 of 2022. All right, I'm in, you know I'm in. Oh yeah. You know I'm in, so. We got, we got some strategic partners we're gonna be announcing real soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> that's gonna be fun, man. I, yes, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely excited for that because I think as much money as we spend a community or we have oh, control man. with, I think it's over $2 trillion, $2 trillion a year. Annually. Annually. Um, I think it's time for us to be able to put, be able to you know, take it off the brands, get it off of Nike, get it yeah. off of whoever, yeah. and put it into whatever, even if it's just disciplined enough to just put the XYZ. And maybe people gonna be giving presents now where they're like, yo, I just put $2,000 in reinvest for you in this project. In five years, you'll be able to go collect that. Come check out our, come check us out, and you'll see how you can hand presents to various people okay. within your network. We got something special for you to do Perfect. just that. So uh, is, do you have a website up and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, right now it's reinvestcommunity.com. Okay. So check us out. You can go on, sign up for updates, and when we launch, we'll let you know. Or text reinvest or the puzzle piece, the green puzzle emoji to my community number. Great puzzle sure. emoji, okay. Yeah, us, man. And we'll put the number down below of his community number so that you guys will be able to text him. The community is the missing piece to the puzzle <clears throat> as it relates to commercial real estate. So reinvest stands for real estate investing, but also reinvesting in your community. You get to do it. No more blaming somebody else. No. Put your own bread up. Yeah, everyone should have ownership, but everyone shouldn't be entrepreneur. Say that again, right? Say that right there <laughs> over there, that again. Everyone. Everyone in the country, especially from our communities, should have ownership, but everyone shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So we're creating a way for you to have ownership without having to go through the risk and the administrative burden of being an entrepreneur. That's it, man. Listen, I kept this conversation real high level. Yeah, we did. Right, and, and so <laughs> I wanna go low. I'm proud of you, man. You got over $100 million in develop done or in the pipeline it. ready to go. Yeah. You got reinvest coming down. And what I really like about you is Yes, you business, you, you're, you're doing good while you're doing well. And Live so it's about that. giving back the same time you're taking. That's right. And why the same time you're winning. That's right. And so I like that about you. A lot of people don't have that. I want you guys to go blow him up on social media because more people like this need the attention versus other people that get the attention that don't necessarily need it. Now he ain't gonna sell you something, but you're gonna be able to learn something and gonna be able to put something in your, in a feather in your hat that you can take down the road with you way down the road. But That's right. any departing words that you wanna give anybody out there? Uh, I would say, I guess I, was, I failed to mention how reinvest will have an educational component to it. Okay. So we plan to have an online curriculum. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do the reinvest tra- development training program as mentioned, similar to the Acre program that I took mm-hmm. to provide exposure and access to people in this space. We're also gonna do a reinvest conference very soon. So check that out in 2022. 
uh, with some other things we're cooking up, but I wanted to put that on wax just so. Got it. So not only are you saying, yo, you can invest, but I'm going to show you what you're investing in That's and how right. this stuff works. So you just more, got it. Okay. I That's like right. that. Uh, where can people find you at? Where you want them to go? Check me out. Be rule on all platforms. Be underscore R-U-L-E. Text my community number. That'll always be there. And uh, yeah, just I'm also launching a podcast soon. The Rose That Group. So check me out there. I'm going to have you on as a guest. I'm coming wherever, wherever. Just tell me wherever. Yeah. As soon as I move into the new house with the studio behind it, I'm bringing you out. I'm going to get you on a horse. Say less. See if you can ride a horse. Let's roll. All right, cool. I like that. I'm adventurous, bro. A lot of people don't want to take the challenge. I'm going to see, hey, anybody come, if you, listen, don't even email me if you don't want to ride a horse (laughs) or you don't want to swim a couple laps in my pool. I'm adventurous. I don't want to hear it. Let's Let's do it, man. So once again, I appreciate you guys tuning into the Max Maxwell Show. If you're watching, you're not subscribed, please press that subscribe button. If you like this video, hit the like button, share it with a friend, and I'll see you guys next time. Peace.